Today we are talking about habits, breaking bad, three steps to reprogramming your habits. Well, this comes about because what is a new year if not a time to create resolutions, right? And then feel crappy when we don't really keep them and then create stories in our minds about how we never follow through. Yay, happy new year. And welcome back to the habit of attempting a new start toward better ways at the beginning of each new year. Gosh, we try so hard. We mean so well. But today, I actually have a solution that has a pretty strong chance of success. It's a three-step process that works for changing habits. Okay, so Travis Bradbury said, quote, Humans are creatures of habit. If you quit when things get tough, it gets that much easier to quit the next time. On the other hand, if you force yourself to push through it, the grit begins to grow in you." Unquote. Our habits create our character. Now, do you realize that you have story habits? Stories that get replayed over and over in your mind as fact, right? And since our character is defined by our habits and our lives are created by our stories, it seems pretty important to consider the habitual stories we've got playing on autoplay. Stay tuned today for three steps from Michael Bungay Stainer. He is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. He gives us a pattern for breaking the bad stories and reprogramming our own minds with better stories. He actually just gives us three steps, a three-step process for reprogramming any habit you want to change. But today, I'm focusing it on actually changing the habitual stories that don't serve us. Stay tuned and we'll get into a discussion about it. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Neville said, quote, health, Wealth, beauty, and genius are not created. They are only manifested by the arrangement of your mind. That is, by your concept of yourself. And your concept of yourself is all that you accept and consent to as true." Unquote. In other words, what we believe is true about ourselves is perpetuated by the stories that we let play about us in our own minds. And then these stories determine what we believe is true about us, and we behave and allow accordingly, creating our health and our wealth, our beauty and our genius. Our habitual stories create our own concept of self. So let's ask the first and most obvious question today. What do you consent to as true about you? Have you accepted your own value, your own worthiness, your strength, resilience, and beauty? Have you embraced your own good heart, your own talents and gifts? Do you embody your badass superhero persona because in fact, that's who you are? Or do you need to change a few stories to get on this track? 
There is a woman I know who raises her grandchildren. She has literally changed her life of being an empty nester to doing homework, attending sporting events, dealing with curfews, and all the fun and challenge that comes from raising kids again. It's a lot of work. And yet, whenever you talk to her about it, she refuses to acknowledge how absolutely fantastic she is for this beautiful sacrifice of her time, sanity, and years of service in taking on this challenge that frankly exhausts her. She refuses to embrace her own good heart for what it is. She won't claim her Wonder Woman status. Why? When we do hard things like make it through a layoff or a car crash, or an illness. When we make it through challenges like a divorce, a lawsuit, a friend stabbing you in the back, and we do it with ethics and behavior that we are proud of. When we reach out to others to lift and comfort and make the world better where we can, there is nothing at all wrong with giving yourself a mental high five and acknowledging that you are doing a great job. Every time you get it right, give yourself a mental hug and congratulate yourself for doing the best you can. Accept your value, your worthiness, your efforts, your strength, and the good intents of your heart. In coaching, I've watched people who absolutely shine with all they have to give, but they don't know it. In fact, many of them believe the exact opposite, that they are unworthy or broken. They don't see or acknowledge their own power and beauty in the world not out of any sense of humility. It's just that the negative stories and insecurities have gotten in the way and built up over the years. Too often, I've watched these stories and insecurities determine exactly what the person dares to embark on. Gorgeous people living well below their potential and tangled in fear because they believe false stories about themselves. It breaks my heart because it's such a blatant waste of potential joy. That's why I do what I do. Really, because if the tools we discuss can help someone to be less afraid, to change old stories that hold them back, if the podcast will inspire someone to embrace and allow for their own power, well, that's a fight worth waging or a project worth doing. So how do we change those stories? Not in theory, but in actuality, right? Today's podcast stems from a new book I've been reading. It's called The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever by Michael Bengay Stainer. It's the first part of this book that I'm particularly interested in sharing today, the part where you change your behavior by changing your habits. I bring in his writings because he has a system for actually changing habits. It's not just talking about habits we know we need or want to change. We've talked about the power of getting rid of habitual stories that don't serve us. But now let me present this tool for creating the new habit. It's not what you change because everyone's going to have something different to change, but how to make that change. So let's acknowledge a couple things. First, we all know that changing old behavior is akin to climbing Everest. Not many people do it. Lots die trying. And those who do it successfully put in a lot of work. Not to make it overly dramatic, but I feel like Michael's simple three-step program makes changing a habit a lot more accessible. It still takes paying attention and work, but we are superheroes after all, so we've got this.
Aristotle said, quote, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Unquote. We've all heard that before. So, how do we repeatedly create and tell stories to ourselves that exude excellence and help us accept all the beauty we are? The habit we are looking at changing up today is regulating any negative stories coming from that inner voice. First, you can do a number of things to make that inner voice more tangible. Martha Beck, a renowned life coach, suggests naming it, picturing it as a different being, like a little dragon on your shoulder or a cat or whatever form you want to give that inner voice. Dress it up in sparkles or armor or stick a fabulous beanie on its little head or maybe it's a demon and you put it in a really dark cloak. Create a being that you can address and when it talks, you can picture it sitting there babbling on and you can lovingly tell it to stick a sock in it, that you've got other positive things you prefer to focus on. Or maybe you can picture yourself duct taping its mouth shut. <laughs> but if you give it a form, you've got something to work with. So we've got your inner voice. Now let's talk about how to help it change any negative babble into supportive commentary. In Michael's book, he points out that a Duke University study says that at least 45% of our waking behavior is habitual and that there has been an increase of grounded findings based on neuroscience and behavioral economics that have helped clear a path for changing habits. So some new stuff going on here. And he, his work is coming from the place of this research. In a nutshell, he suggests there are five essential components, a reason, a trigger, a microhabit, effective pack practice, and a plan. Now I know I said there were three, there are five components here, but when we get down to it, there are just three steps that you'll, you'll redo. So stick with me here. So first, the reason. If you're going to bother changing something in your life, you usually need a pretty good reason. What is that reason? Oftentimes, Michael mentions that doing it for ourselves is not as powerful as doing it to serve others. So less about what this new habit can do for you and more about what this new habit can do to help others that you care about. How does no longer playing small and feeling unworthy serve your family, your friends, and your loved ones? Well, while that seems like a rhetorical question, think about the new example you can be to your kids, your grandkids, other people who are looking for inspiration and a social go-ahead to live their biggest lives. When you believe in yourself and you risk and you live and create your best story, the effect is so broad reaching, it's impossible to actually put a value on it. It's a fact that people look to one another to see what is possible. So when they look to you and see you loving yourself and enjoying life, you've given them permission to live well also. Let's just say everyone benefits when you feel good about yourself. And that's a pretty good reason. So second is the trigger. When things happen in our lives, it triggers other things. The habits that play out on autoplay happen because of triggers. So when someone rejects you, maybe you get angry. Maybe you feel embarrassed. Maybe you get defensive. When you wake up, maybe your habit is a direct line to the coffee maker. It's just how you start the day. Maybe when you look in the mirror, your first response is to critique and criticize what you see. Maybe when someone tells you to do something, your first response is to do the opposite. 
There are millions of triggers between us all, hot buttons. What are yours? The first step to changing a habit is to figure out what triggers that habit or else you'll be well into the habit or behavior before you even realize it. So what's your trigger for the behavior that you want to change? If you know that every time you set up an appointment for a sales call, that the voice in your head is going to be telling you a story about rejection and eventual failure, well, the sales call is the trigger. If you can pinpoint that when your wife or husband comes home with a depressing story about some negative aspect of their day, and they do it every day, and you want to strangle them because they're always dwelling on the negative, well, it's their negative story that is the trigger. If your mom asks you to do chores and it ruins your plans every day, this triggers your frustration and anger, well, then you know that the chore list is your trigger. Okay, so the third step is to determine a microhabit. Michael suggests that we are more likely to create a new habit if we do not get overwhelmed with the change. So decide what the first tiny step is in the new habit, something that you can do that will take more, no more than 60 seconds to start to create that new habit. That's easy enough, right? Short and specific. A new plan that heads you in the direction that you want to go. So as pertaining to the inner voice, if you know that making that sales appointment is going to trigger a fearful story of rejection, and instead you want to create an empowering story of success, the first step toward that would be to address the little angel, devil, dragon, demon, hummingbird on your shoulder, whatever that inner voice form you've given it, and say something like, you know, thanks for your input, but that's not going to work this time. And then you go on to throw out a new story, your new micro habit, right? One that you've created ahead of time that creates the feeling of success. So picture yourself shaking hands and closing the cell or you play a short snippet from We Are the Champions or whatever song, you know, pumps you up. Or you picture the deposit in your bank account when the cell closes and the smile on your face. D- decide what works for you, but have it ready. Just a, a quick little change of attitude, something you picture, something you can click on your phone. Decide what that 60 second habit is going to be or the 60 second micro habit. Have it ready so that when the trigger comes, you have a quick step that takes you in a different direction, that takes you toward this this better, more positive habit. Okay, the fourth step is to practice deeply. Specifically, Dan Coyle in his book, The Talent Code, he discusses the components of deep practice. They are to practice small chunks of the bigger action. So instead of practicing the whole tennis serve, you would practice parts of it, how to throw the ball follow through, etc. And then the next part is repetition, repetition, repetition. Do it fast, do it slow, do it differently, but keep repeating the same action. This can kind of make it fun. Notice when it goes well. Practice retrains the neural pathways into new routes, new thought patterns. So whatever that new micro habit is, whatever that new mini story is, practice it. Practice it fast, practice it slow, but practice it. Meaning every time that old trigger happens, you come in with the new micro habit every single time. The fifth step Michael discusses is to plan how to get back on track. He says, when you stumble and everyone does, it's easy to give up. Like 
I may as well eat the rest of that cake, seeing as I've now had a slice. The reality is that no one creates a new habit without having to pull themselves back on track. We will have to pull ourselves back on track. We will miss moments. But the key is to already have a plan for those times. He says, quote, resilient systems build in fail-safes so that when something breaks down, the next step to recovery is obvious. Make your habit a resilient system, unquote. Here's how it works. There are three steps that pull all of this together. The first one, identify the trigger, which we've talked about. When this happens, fill in the blank. When my boss tells me to put my phone away, fill in the blank. When my three-year-old hits her brother again. When Bill complains about that same political issue over and over. Okay, you're identifying what the trigger is. What's the trigger for you on this, on some, this habit that you wanna change? The second one is that you identify the old habit. What are you trying to stop doing? When my boss tells me to put my phone away, I feel micromanaged and I wanna tell him to poke it, but I'm trying to stop doing that, right? I don't wanna feel that way. When my three-year-old hits her brother again, I feel angry and frustrated that I'm not being listened to and I yell. I'm identifying the old habit. When Bill complains about that same political issue over and over, I get completely irritated and I get anxious and passive aggressive. That's the trigger and the old habit. So number three is defining the new behavior. What will you do instead of that old habit that takes 60 seconds or less? For example, when I'm feeling frustrated in our weekly meetings because my boss tells me to put my phone away, instead of letting myself get angry and feel micromanaged, I'm going to fill in the blank with whatever that new behavior is going to be. Example, when my mom gives me a list of chores that frustrates the time schedule I had set up with my friends, instead of getting angry and hating her in my head and stomping around the house, I will take a deep breath, shift my plans by 20 minutes, and repeat to myself, I choose to be a respectful person. Example, every time I think about the time I was sexually harassed or molested, and feelings of shame, unworthiness, and fear get triggered, I will instead repeat the following, I didn't ask for this mistreatment. I am a strong, resilient, beautiful person, and this was not my fault. Start by writing out these three steps for each habit that you want to change. Write them down and read over them regularly to help you remember what it is that you're changing and how you're changing it because that's going to help you to practice it. If you know what your trigger is and you know what your usual response is to that trigger and you know now what you're going to replace it with, it's just a matter of being aware and making those substitutions. And at first it will feel odd. It, it always does. You're changing something that is really well programmed into your mind. But that practice part we talked about, just make sure that you do it over and over and over. And if you forget a couple times, um, if it falls short one time, that's where the having the plan is. The Maybe the plan is just as simple as acknowledging, okay, sometimes I'm not going to get it right, but I'm going to keep working on it. I'm going to do this actively every day until it's my natural go-to. Start by writing the three steps out and then read over them. This, this always helps. It, sometimes it seems like it's extraneous, but putting it down on paper and reviewing it, that seems to be key for me. 
Ovid said, quote, nothing is stronger than habit, unquote. Now, as Michael points out in his book, this is good news and it's bad news. Bad news because habits are hard to break, but good news is that when you get the habit you want in place, chances are good that it's going to stick and it's going to be hard to break also. Let's go over those five essential components. A reason, a trigger, a micro habit, effective practice, and a plan for when things don't work out. And let's review the three steps you create with these five components. Identify the trigger when this happens. So fill in the blank there. Identify the old habit. What are you trying to stop doing? And then three, defining the new behavior. What will you do instead that takes 60 seconds or less that heads you down the road to the better habit that you want? I think it takes one habit at a time. One thing we really want to change and focus on this, retraining our minds to get rid of the story. If we're doing too many at once, I think we just get overwhelmed and it holds us back. But reprogramming and ideas and stories that focus on our beauty, our worthiness, our strength. If we do that, we're in for one heck of a successful year. And just think, if every year for 10 years you successfully changed even one bad habit, well, I think we'd be further ahead than most and probably further ahead than we've gotten at this point. That, that would be 10 bad habits changed. Your challenge this week is to follow this process with just one habitual story that you want to change this year. Write down your trigger, the old habit, and the new behavior, and then get ready to practice. Have fun out there this week creating your best story every day in the moment. You can access and share all the Love Your Story episodes on www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. You can also sign up for our exciting 21-day challenge, now available on the website. Each day, a new challenge for trying out a story tool. After 21 days, you've tried them all and you get to choose which ones to keep in your life. It's a really fantastic, fun challenge to hop on board with. And if you haven't already signed up, get on and get started. It's a lot of fun and a great way to start out the new year, as well as a great way to try out a smorgasbord of story tools and decide which ones are going to help you build a better story this year. Subscribe, rate, review, share any episode you like with friends or family member today. And information on the book I quoted today will be in the show notes on the website. We'll see you next week.